Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. You're just tuning in because someone sent you this message. If you're new here, we want to say welcome home. This is the part of our time together where we get to hear a word from God. And we've been in this series entitled Love is Our Logo. Put that in the comments. Love is our logo. And, and the founding or, or the anchoring verse of this series is found in John chapter 13, verse 35. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will show, will be evident to the world that you are my disciples, a.k.a. love is our logo. And we are in week five, and the passage of scripture that is going to be for today's message, today's talk, is found in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Look what it says. Real short verse for you today. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. <laughs> Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Another translation says it this way. It says, love prospers when an offense or a transgression is forgiven. I want to talk to you about forgiveness today. And the title to today's message is this. When does love prosper? When does love prosper? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these moments that we have together. Lord, I believe you've given us a word to hear from you today. Open up our hearts, oh God, that we may be receptive to hear what you have to deposit in us today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen and amen. Have you noticed that this culture is enamored with new? Let's be honest. We love New. We love new clothes. We we love new hairstyles. As a matter of fact, this is a new shirt that I got from Dyron today. We love ourselves some new, right? Like we love new things. We love new new cars, new clothes. We we love. We even love vacations. Let's be honest. Why do we love vacations? We love vacations because for a moment, for a little moment, for a couple of weeks, everything is out of the ordinary, everything is out of the routine, everything is out of the traditional, everything is brand new. They actually conducted a social experiment. Uh, I was watching the Jimmy um, Kimmel show, and in that show, uh, they conducted this experiment, or I want to say this prank, and what they did was that they took uh, the iPhone 4, and they went around the neighborhood, and they told everyone that this was the the latest and the greatest, the brand new iPhone. This was in 2017. You can look it up for yourself. And they conducted this experiment. And what they did was they asked people what they thought about the phone. They just told them that it was a, the latest and greatest iPhone that has ever been created. And people were completely blown away by the iPhone 4 in which they thought it was a new iPhone. So they grab the phone. They're like, oh, my God, these pixels and these pictures and, and look how quick it is and look how sleek the model is simply because someone told them that they were it was new. We our culture loves new. But to our defense, it's not 
just our culture that loves new, our, our brains are actually in love and enamored with novelty. Our brains are actually stimulated by novelty. There is actually a part of our brain that responds to novel stimuli. So our brain gets super excited when something new happens. Now, why is this relevant to our message today? The reason that it's relevant to today's talk is because I think if we're not careful, what would happen is that we begin to project this idea of novelty and new into our relationship with God. We'll begin projecting this in the way we conduct ourselves or the way we live out this life of faith. What do I mean is that we'll start We'll start wanting the the brand new word from God. I want a new word of God. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I want a fresh word from God. I want that, that new word from the Lord today. And if we're not careful, we end up becoming addicted to the desire of having a new word from God, even if we have yet to follow the last instructions he has given us. And don't get me wrong. I love new. I love me some, some new. I, I love hearing... Uh, a new message. I love hearing this message about the new thing that God is going to do in your life. We sing songs about it. I know like we love new. There's nothing wrong with new. We love us some new. Like I love hearing a message about what God has for me in my future. Uh, what about the messages about the victory that we are going to have in overcoming our battle, our battles. We could look no further than YouTube and we could hear a new message from a new preacher on a new topic anytime we want right now. But I've also found that oftentimes I've reached over to grab the new thing that I want only to have left the previous assignment and the previous instruction incomplete. I think we could apply this to our faith journey and we'll begin to want to go to church and want to hear a message simply for novelty simply for brain stimulation instead of heart transformation like like even this series right we could hear this series and we could be like whoo love is our logo week one man did you hear that that was amazing god touched me that was awesome now what if we are on love is our logo for week 12 and now in week 12 we're like are we still talking about love can we just talk about, like, can we talk about like, where we're going to jump in, Pastor Roe? When is the new series? Like, we've been on this thing for about three months now. But what if God's mission wasn't complete in your life yet? What if God wants you to hear this message over and over again? And, and oftentimes we will find ourselves wanting to fast forward the parts that we're less interested in and skip over the part that God has assigned to have work in our life. <laughs> I think that in the last seven years that I've been pastoring this church with my wife, Lisa, uh, the most common topic that comes up in, in the, the people that we've had the privilege of sitting down and counsel and maybe mentor, the most popular topic that comes up is, is the topic of, of unforgiveness. And when you think about unforgiveness, unforgiveness is not new. No, 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 it's not new. It's old, isn't it? We've heard messages on unforgiveness and we've heard messages on forgiveness. And, and, and it's like we look at unforgiveness. It's not an it's an old message. It's like n nobody wants to hear that brand new fresh word of forgiveness. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that 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 straight up fire word on on forgiveness, because forgiveness is one of those things. It's 
It's like we just want to skip over. And so we want to pursue our calling. We want, to, we want to grow in our faith. We want to move on to the next thing that God has for us. But we are leaving this area of unforgiveness incomplete in our lives. And sadly, we will never be able, I want you to hear me, hear me, hear me clearly, that when it comes to unforgiveness, we will never be able to move on to the promised land of God's destiny for our lives without first allowing our proverbial walls of Jericho, a.k.a. unforgiveness, to come down. See, I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. I love it because it says, Love prospers when a fault, an offense, a transgression is forgiven. When does love prosper? Well, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love, I'm going to say it again. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Which is to say, love cannot prosper, it cannot grow, it cannot flourish, it cannot succeed in an environment, in a home, in a marriage, fill in the blank, in a relationship where faults are not forgiven. It cannot prosper. And, and the Lord gave me this analogy of a fish, right? Like, when you have a fish who was wholly created to live in an environment of water, it cannot live on land, but you take that fish and you place it in the environment or in the habitat of land and you would quickly find out that you cannot judge that fish or judge the potential or judge the performance of that fish in an environment it was never created to dwell in. In the same way, love does not prosper in the life, in the home, in the, in the place where unforgiveness has hijacked a person's emotional domain. Love cannot grow. It cannot prosper in a life where unforgiveness has claimed its territory. And I think sometimes we end up questioning our love, but it's not our love that we should be questioning. It is the environment that we've created of unforgiveness that has produced the level or the quality or, or the unsuccessful level of love that we have. See, my prayer is to help you today. My prayer is that I can help you build an environment where love will be flourish. I want to help you build an environment in your home where love will flourish. I want to help you build an environment in your workplace where love will prosper. I want to help you build an environment with a relationship with your kids where love will prosper. Now, one of the most famous is one of the most famous passages of scripture when it comes to forgiveness. It's found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And I want to read these 14 verses because I think it's so revealing. And, and what I want to do is that I want to share these points with you as anti-examples of what happens when this, these habits exist in your environment. I think sometimes we have poor habits that create an environment where love cannot prosper where love was never meant to live in. And it's found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 35. It says, Then Peter came to him and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Verse 28, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat. He chokeslammed him, people. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little bit more time for payment. His fellow servant uh, uh, for payment. His fellow servant fell down and begged him for a little bit more time for payment. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They, were, they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had forgiven his debt. You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with, with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's why my heavenly father, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Let me give you a case in point. What happens is that Peter is hearing message after message. He's walking with the personification, the perfection of forgiveness. He's hearing messages from Jesus about loving your neighbor and forgiving your neighbor. And Jesus is, is he's a living, breathing example of forgiveness. Love your enemies as you love yourself. Forgive those that hurt you. And so Peter's like, okay, I got to forgive, but forgive how many times? And here's the first point I want you to write down. Love will not prosper in a counting environment. Love will not prosper in a counting environment. If you are keeping count, you cannot keep count and keep your peace at the same time. You cannot keep count of people's offenses and people's wrongdoings in your life and still have an expectation of love to grow, of love to flourish, of love to develop in your life. You cannot, it will not prosper in a counting environment. And the type of counting that we do, I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever been um, an offense accountant? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, like you're, you're just keeping score, right? This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, Listen, if you want love to prosper, you're talking about forgiving how many times? Listen, man, when you, when you walk with me, when love is your logo, whew, when love is your logo, you don't keep score. When love is your logo, you don't, you, you don't become an offense accountant. When love is your logo, you're, you're not looking seven times, man, 70 times seven, which is to say, hey, you lose count. You lose count of it all. And I don't know about you, but in my life, I have kept count of offenses. And the way we keep count many times is that, is that we don't say anything. 
And so I, I, I've talked to so many people that they come to faith with Jesus and because they don't want to react in a negative way, you know what they do? They shut their mouth and they hold the grudge. They shut their mouth and they hold the grudge and they keep quiet. They don't say anything, but they make note of it. Okay, I did you a favor and when I most needed you, you weren't there for me. Offense. You write it down. You make a note of it. Oh, I called you five times and I needed you, but you ignored my call. Okay, I make a note of it. I revealed to you something private in a conversation we had and you exposed it to other people. I make a note of it. And what do we do? We keep count of offenses, but we also keep count of people. What do I mean? Let's go deeper. The person that cheated on you. The person that sexually abused you. What do you do? The person that you saw physically abuse your, your mother. What happened? You make an inner vow in your house that I will never be like my mother. Oh, you're keeping count. I will never be my, like my mother. And th therefore, I'm going to make sure that I will never be in a predicament where I am the one that is abused. Therefore, you end up becoming the abuser. Because before someone could hurt you, you're going to make sure that you hurt them. And we're keeping count, man. Let's be honest. Like, let's be honest. We're keeping count. We make these inner vows. And so we saw our father abuse our mother. And so we vowed that we would never become like our father. We would never become, oh, we're keeping count because our father hurt us, hurt us in his abuse towards our, his, our mother, right? So you make these inner vows and what you do is that you create these deep wounds in your life. And Jesus is essentially saying to Peter, listen to me, love cannot prosper when you are living in a counting environment. The one who does it to me will pay for it. You are keeping count. Do it, bilingual, bilingual. Uh, Paul explains it the best. He says, love keeps no record of wrong. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse five. He says, love keeps no record of wrong. It does not hold grudges and it will hardly ever notice when others do it wrong. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not hold any grudges and love hardly even notices when someone has done, done you wrong. Can you imagine that kind of lifestyle? When you barely even notice that someone has offended you, <laughs> when someone barely offends me, I magnify their offense. But love, it doesn't hold grudges. And here's the truth about grudges. You think you're holding the grudge, but it's the grudge that's holding you. It's holding you captive. It's holding you back from experiencing freedom. It's holding you back from experiencing true love. And, and here's what I want you to get. Well, how, how do we do this, Pastor Ro? How is it that we stop holding grudges? How is it that we can, that we can allow love to prosper in our lives? Well, a couple of verse, verses later, he says it perfectly. He says, love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Whew. It never stops believing the best for others. It never stops, hear that, it, it never stops believing, chicka, chicka, it never stops believing the best for others. You mean the person that is gossiping about you, you have to believe the best in them? Yeah. You mean the person that has cheated on you, you have to believe the best in them? Yeah. You know why? Because God loves them as much as God loves you. 
See, love never fails because it never stops believing the best. And, and, and when you believe the best for others, you stop holding the grudge because a grudge is like a grip. You think you're holding it, but it's actually holding you. And I was teaching this to my daughter and I was showing, him, showing her some self-defense tactics. And I showed her what happens when someone tries to grab you by the hair. And I taught her this move in order for her to deliver herself and to break the grip. I want to let you know today that some of us need to learn how to break the grip. You got you to gotta make it stop sticking. Because so many times a grudge is going to try to grab you and you got to learn how to break the grip. You're not excusing the behavior. You're just breaking the grip. You're not okaying what was done. You're just breaking the grip. You're not, you're not saying that, that what was done is okay, but you're just breaking the grip. And sometimes you have to break the grip by believing that God is still working in their life. God still has a plan for their life and God still loves them. Can I be honest? Sometimes the Bible says that love believes all things. Sometimes you got to say this. You got to say, well, they just don't know better. They, they, they just don't know better. God still loves them. I know, they hurt, I know they hurt me. I know I deserve an apology, but I'm not going to keep count and I'm not going to hold on to a grudge. Here's the second thing I want you to write down today. Love will not prosper in a forgetful environment. Ooh, love will not prosper in a forgetful environment. Forgetful environment. What do you, what do you mean? Oh yeah, how quickly we forget. Forget what? Oh, we forget that we for, we've been forgiven. We forget that we've been forgiven. When you read the the story in Matthew chapter 18, the wicked man, he's forgiven. Not only, not only his debt is forgiven. Watch this. Not watch this. His debt is not the only thing that's forgiven. Because what the king said was, because you could not pay this debt, we're going to throw your family in jail until you can pay the debt. So he is not only forgiven for the debt, but he's also forgiven and he's also delivered from, watch this, he's delivered from the consequences of his not paying his debt. Well, what does that mean in this context, Pastor Rowe? It, it means this, that this man was not only cleared from a debt, but he was able to reunite with his family. And his family was at rest and his family would have been at peace and his family would have experienced the love of the king because this man would have went home to a family in which was debt free. Can you imagine? And this is how I see this in my life because so many times I'm looking at someone else's offenses. When I look at what God has done in my life and I look at everything he's done for me, it's not just that God has forgiven me for the sin, the impossible debt that I could not pay. Hear me. There's an impossible, there's an impossible debt that we could not pay that God has forgiven from, forgiven us from. And if he just did that, that would have been enough. But he went beyond. Because I've accepted his forgiveness, I've now been delivered from the punishment of that. And because I've been a recipient of his love, then my children have been a recipient of his love. And now my children are blessed and now my home is blessed and now my marriage is blessed and now my children, children's 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 children will be blessed. Why? Because I've been given not only a debt free life, but an abundant life.
And sometimes we walk around as if people owe us something because we have forgotten that God has forgiven us. And we make much more of other people's offenses than the offenses that we've committed against God. Here, in a forgetful environment, you make the sins that others have committed against you greater than the sins you've committed against God. You make greater that someone cheated on you greater than the fact that you've cheated on God. You, you, in a forgetful environment, your forgiveness towards others has to be earned. Oh, if they're sorry enough, if, if they promise you enough, if, if they make it up to you enough. That, that's, that's how you know you're in a forgetful environment. Your healing depends in a forgetful environment. It depends on, on them telling you I'm sorry and begging you to apologize for them, apologize to them instead of God releasing his forgiveness towards you. This man walked out unchanged, unmoved, as if he was unforgiven. I want to tell you today, you're not healed because someone has asked you for forgiveness. You're healed because Jesus said, you are forgiven. Third point, love will not prosper in a feeling environment. And that's all to say forgiveness isn't something that we're always going to feel. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a decision. It's allowing forgiveness of others to flow from our forgiveness from God. And so many times in our faith journey, what we want is we want to feel the forgiveness. And I want to tell you that forgiveness is a decision. See, forgiveness is something that we got to do by faith, not by feeling. And sometimes we're waiting for this feeling, this, this, this feeling to rise up in us for us to forgive someone. And then we want to be led by our feelings and we want our faith to follow our feelings. But when you make a decision to step out in faith and forgive, you will see that your feelings will begin to follow. Here's my last point for you today. Point number four, love will not prosper in an environment where there's entitlement. I'll say it again. Love will not prosper in an entitled environment. I think we live in a culture where everyone feels nowadays, everyone feels entitled. And let's, let's be honest here. Like when you look at this servant, he was entitled to his thousand dollars. Yeah, he was forgiven, but yeah, all right, God, God has forgiven me, but what, what happens when someone gossips about me? Pastor, well, I'm not supposed to feel a way? Oh, yeah, he's entitled. He was entitled, but I want to tell you right now, if you're walking in entitlement and you're creating an environment of entitlement, I want to let you know that love will not prosper in that environment. Love will not prosper in an environment where you walk around entitled. And this man walked around forgetting what he's been forgiven from. He walked around solely based on his anger and his feeling towards this man that owed him something. He didn't, he didn't act on faith. He didn't act on the mercy that was given to him. And he walked around entitled, but the truth is that he deserved the debt that was owed to him. But you have to make a decision today. Are you going to walk around entitled as people owe you something? Or are you going to walk around selfless and put people, even our enemies, before the throne of God? I think that when it comes to relationships, again, I've said it already, some of the counsel that we've always given is on the conversation of un unforgiveness. And I, and I want to take a survey. Like, like when people tell me, Pastor Roll, I think I found 
Oh my God, I think I found the one. The Lord sent her to me. Here's my question. How good are you at forgiving? Excuse me, sir. How good are you at forgiving? What, what do you, doesn't matter. Look at me. <laughs> Look at me. You know what I'm saying? I'll show you. No. How good are you at forgiving? I'm about a three. Yeah. Relationships is not for you right now. Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, oh, yeah. You, he's cute. How good are you at forgiving? Because if you're not good at forgiving, you will not be good at relationships. You will not be good at relationships. I'm telling you, relationships require a level of selflessness. And you could look it in our, you can see it in our relationship with God. I want to be like Jesus. Like when I look at Jesus, even till, even till his dying day, in, even till his last moment in his earthly ministry, he is hanging on a cross and as he is hanging on the cross, he had already been beaten. He had already been battered. He had already been struck. And, and he's hanging on this cross with a crown of thorns on his head. And look what the Bible says. Verse 35, and then Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Excuse me, Jesus. Um, cut. Real quick. Um, they know what they're doing. They are crucifying you. They're putting nails in your hand, nails in your feet. They are causing you pain. They are mocking you. They are casting lots on your garment. They know what they are doing. Jesus was entitled to something. He was, he was deserving of something, but Jesus took his life and he laid it selflessly on a cross. He said, no one has taken my life, but I have given my life away. But look at his last words on the cross. If I'm on the cross, I'm telling you right now, I'm praying to God, but I'm praying this protection prayer. I'm like, Lord, right now, strike them dead. <laughs> Lord, make them pay for what they have done to me. Have you ever... Have you ever prayed that, Lord, just, just make them pay? And oftentimes we would even look at something wrong or something bad that happens to a person that has wounded us. And what we, we do, what we do, we giggle inside. We, yeah, well, that's right, because God don't like ugly. Listen, if God didn't like ugly, he wouldn't like me. <laughs> and he wouldn't like you. Because at the end of the day, we've all offended God. But Jesus says on the cross, Lord, they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know better. And you might be like, well, Pastor O, that's Jesus, and Jesus can do things like that. And so you're putting us in a category that we don't know. That's Jesus. And I've even heard Pastor, well, I'm not Jesus. I've even heard Pastor say that. Like, I'm not Jesus. But what if I told you that an ordinary, what most would consider an ordinary dream team member, a volunteer at a food pantry, did the same thing that Jesus did in his, in his dying breath? He was a man by the name Stephen, and, and for a moment, he, he shared the news of Jesus. And what began to happen is that people became, became offended, and they took Stephen to the outskirts of the city, and the Bible says that they began to throw Stephen rocks until they killed him. But what did he say before he died? Look, look what he says. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Hear, hear me, hear me, watch this. 
Watch this. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said it, he fell asleep. Look at the scene. He's getting rocks thrown to his face until he dies. And his, he uses his last words. I don't know about you, but I feel like I, 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 I hear this story and I say, Lord, why do I feel so far from this love? Why do I feel like my dime, like in a second, if I had all the power in the universe, the moment someone throws me rocks, Ooh, I'm calling upon angels and I'm calling upon any single spiritual being that would come and fight for me and sever the heads of my enemies. Come on. Isn't that, isn't that our approach sometimes? Like those that are offending us, we want to see them hurt. We want to cut them off. But Stephen... Hear me, he uses his very last breath to say, Lord, you see that they hurt me? You see that they cheated on me? You see that they sexually abused me? You see that they offended me? You see that they hurt me? You see that they abused me? Don't count their sin against them. Pastor Rowe, those are guys in the Bible. Well, there's a man by the name of Brian Carroll. He's preaching in the street and he's telling a story. He brings a young lad next to him and he says, this is my best friend. This is the guy who has been my armor bearer for the last three years of my ministry. This is my closest brother. I love this man. I will, I will give my life for this man. This is my, this is my best friend, my, my armor bearer. But eight years ago, this is the man that killed my son. What? What? And we're over here offended because someone didn't shake our hand in church? We're here offended because someone didn't see our worth? What kind of love is this? That you can forgive the sin of a man who killed your son. Oh, it's a love that prospers. It's a love that prospers when faults, when transgressions, when offenses are forgiven. I think, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And there's some people that are tuning in and maybe you just dropped into this moment. And you don't know why God brought you here, but I believe that God has brought you here. So firstly, you can receive his love today, but so that his love can flow in you in such a way that you can extend forgiveness to someone else. I think right now, even as we are listening, there's some people that we ought to be texting. There's some plans that we need to be making to pick up the phone and call somebody or FaceTime somebody and say, hey, listen, I just want to say, I forgive you. I know I've held this grudge. I know I've mistreated you. I know that I've cut you off. I know I've treated you ill because of what you did. But I forgive you. And there's some people 
And this is, this is the other part. And God has challenged me in this area. There's some people that we need to say, I'm sorry just for holding a grudge against you. Can you imagine, can you imagine that, that God calls you to apologize, to ask for forgiveness for holding a grudge against someone that has offended you? Yeah, because that's the kind of love that prospers. It's the love that is not forgetful. It's a love that doesn't hold record of wrong. It's a love that is by faith and not by feeling. It's a love that is selfless and not entitled. That's the kind of love. When does love prosper? Oh, love prospers when faults, when offenses, when transgressions, when sins against you, when wrongdoing against you, when that's forgiven. I want to encourage you today that if this message in any way has touched your heart, that you would participate in receiving it by raising your hand at the count of three. If you are here today and you say, Pastor Roe, I need, I need my faith to increase so that I can forgive. If you say, Pastor Roe, there's some people I need to apologize to. I want to pray for you right now. And the second group of people, maybe you're tuning in and you don't know and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you've you feel like you've stepped away from God and you want to recommit your life today, or maybe you want to say it for the first time, I'll, I want to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you today, at the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand right there where you are in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bathroom, on your phone, phone, if you're toilet texting, whatever it is. I want you to raise your hand right there where you are because I believe in this moment, in this moment right now, God is right there with you. If that's you at the count of three, would you raise your hand? One. Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day of salvation. Three, lift up your hand right there where you are. Right there where you are, lift it up, lift it up. God sees your hand. Now I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and allow me to extend that forgiveness towards others. I believe you died for me and rose again on the third day. And from this day forth, I am a new creation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I want to celebrate you and I want to welcome you to the family of God. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.